0: You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Tennis.com Podcast. This is Ed McGrogan with Steve Tigner. Uh, we thought this was a good time to hop back on the uh, the audio trail here. Uh, we have one week of the French Open is in the books. Uh, today, this is this being Sunday, kind of an aborted day with uh, a lot of rain uh, most matches did get through and completed. Uh, the schedule really isn't going to be thrown really asunder. But, uh, the you know w- the biggest one of the day, Feder Monfils, that goes to Monday, which is probably when you're listening to this right now at uh, one set all. So maybe we get our licks into that while we can right now, Steve. I mean, between those two and the first two sets, just maybe some quick thoughts on that. I mean, Roger kind of came out blazing, um, and then Monfils turned it around in the second set pretty well.
1: Yeah, I guess it went it went the way, you know, you would have predicted. Um, Monfils takes a while to get started in a lot of these matches. He dropped the first set in his last two matches, and Federer, of course, is a fast starter. And plus, it, it, it started later in the day. Um, I felt like it would take a little while for Monfils to to work himself into it, but he did. I mean, the key was going to be the second set, I think, whether whether he could get that, and he broke Federer there. Um,
0: and, you know, the key to that is that if, if Monfils doesn't w- if Roger wins the second set, goes up 2-0, you know that he's pushing to play right now. Yeah, you know, who knows what
1: happens then, but probably, you know, chances are the match is over whatever, whenever they play it. Right, uh, right, right. So that was obviously a big... A big moment, but I think this, you know, I think going to two out of three on Sunday favors Federer because of the, he's a faster starter than Malfi's, and he, and you know, he's the older player. He's gonna, if you know, he he is gonna be probably struggle more over the course of a long five setter than a, if you know he two out of three if he can knock out two sets on Malfi's. You know, the key will be, I guess, you know, I think we know Feder will come out solid, good. But the key will be Monfils. You don't know how he'll start. He's not gonna he really can't just throw away another set, which is what he tends to do. So, um so overall I think I think this is not a bad situation for Federer.
0: Yeah, you really can't predict anything, obviously when it comes to Monfis, I mean just getting to just getting to this round, in fact, you know, from the precarious spot that he was in um against Cuevas in the last round down double break in the fourth and two and two sets to one you know that's in a way that's typical Monfiest you know honestly and it was you know i think typical Sanga too in a way before this match you know Sanga he beats Thomas Burtis which is a great win for him Sanga I was not really expecting much out of at this tournament i thought he was you know sort of the least imposing 14 seed that you could have considering the year he's had but um, and he goes up two sets in a break and serves for it, and he gets broken and loses that third set tiebreaker to the you know absolute dismay of the crowd who wants to see him win and Monfils and Federer play. Um, I'm almost shocked that he didn't go ahead and just blow the whole match from that point because Burdich goes on and uh, and goes up, I believe, an early break in the fourth and then Songa really just flips it completely around this is this was a pretty disappointing per play from Burdich, you know, aside from keeping the match going four sets this is a and really considering his year and what we've kind of been you know positioning Burdich's you know maybe the, maybe Danny Valverdu and and his renewed sort of push gets him closer to where he wants to be, but kind of a disappointing French open for Thomas Burdich, I would say
1: yeah, I would you know. I guess you could figure that if Joe's going to win this match, it's going to be here. And you figure he's going to be lifted by the crowd. I was surprised that Burdich didn't – he did manage to start to fight back, but then he, you know, he completely collapsed from 3-1 up in the fourth. You know, it was a surprising match all around. But, but I feel like Burdich didn't really dig into this match. I, f- I feel like he was affected by the, by the situation in the crowd – and the whole, you know the sort whole atmosphere going against him in general, it was, it didn't seem like he fought that very well, or even really attempted to fight that. I was thinking about the match that he played against Fabio Fognini in Rome uh, a few weeks ago. He won that, but he also seemed to be sort of affected by the by the crowd going for Fognini. Uh, he didn't. You know, I don't feel like he fought those situations particularly well. Um, it almost seemed like he felt like. It, like this was destined to go to this match was destined to go to Sanga as far as Sanga goes you know he's been sort of he's been overshadowed a lot by Monfils in this tournament but he's suddenly now he looks like a guy who could who could make the final of course the moment you say that it's not going to happen but, but um, <clears throat> he was 2-7 for career against Burdich he beats him he's 1-4 against his next opponent Nishikori but but you know that doesn't mean a lot if they go out on Chatrier that you know I think that match right. evened up
0: yeah, and, and I think you know your point about Sanga is particularly apt because, you know, not that uh, not that has loss really changed the complexion of the bottom half of the straw by any significant amount, but it's it's just worth remembering and and comparing really how top heavy, you know, this French Open has become with Djokovic, Rafa, Murray, David Ferrer on one side, and you know, not that Nishikori, Sanga, Stan Wawrinka or Gael or Federer are chopped liver by any means but it it really does seem like such an a big opportunity for another one of you know another one of these five players all of which have their credentials but but coming into the French Open it's not like you would have said oh, you know, I could definitely for sure see one of those guys going to the final and um and you know it's going to be fascinating to see really who kind of seizes that, gets out of the section. You know, a lot of people have talked about Nishikori and really, you know, kind of building on what he accomplished last year. Um, you know, Stan has kind of a little bit been forgotten this year after, you know, really his breakout year last year. And, of course, you know, the guys that you've just mentioned. It's it's a very fascinating bottom half of this men's draw.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually the plus side. You know, we people complained <coughs> about – Sorry about Nadal and Djokovic being in the same quarter, and that—that that obviously isn't what you would say is fair. But it does make the bottom half all of the matches throughout the whole bottom half interesting, because you know every match takes on more significance because you know that person who can get through any match they have a decent shot of making the final.
0: Yeah, and um, you know as we move to the top half here, I think when you look at these four matches. Um, you know, Djokovic and Murray. I think, even though they're playing Frenchmen, you know, to me these are just clear, clear cases of um, they're huge favorites in my mind. Neither has dropped a set. Um, Murray gets Shardy, Djokovic gets Gasquet. It's not like you're playing, you know, Monfils or Sanga. You know, I, I think that I think that eventually, even if, even if these guys, I think maybe you know a set gets taken off of one of these two, um, you know, top seeds. But they've had such good form coming in this term, I don't think there's any reason to, to suspect these would be colossal upsets if any of these any of those came to pass. You know, the two very interesting matches are Sok and Rafa. And, you know, speaking of someone who's been under the radar is, is Marin Cilic, who I um, was very surprised to see go to the fourth round. Um, I think, in fact, both of my French Open bust picks have made the second week, um, and I think <laughs> I think both yours and Nina's exactly. were out a long time ago. So, Chilich and Ivanovic is the other one, you know, going far here. Chilich gets Ferrer um, and Sock and Rafa, um, you know, as we've seen from what Sok has shown, um, you have to think, you know, you have to think unless Sok is really kind of cowed by the moment that he should give Rafa something to really, if, you know, if, if nothing else, a pretty good test before, you know, that likely matchup with Djokovic.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Sok Rafa match is probably the heaviest top spin match in the history of tennis, right? If you go by the Revolutions, they're number one and two on the tour uh, as far as guys who can turn the ball over enough more times per shot. So, um, you know, it's going to be a lot of big hitting. Uh, I think Sok can win a set. You know, one one problem for him is going to be that his backhand is just not— what his forehand and his rock. And it's going to be tough for him. He really relies on running around that forehand all the it, way. It's going to it's gonna be, it's going to be
0: tested all, all day. For and the
1: sure. is just, that's the worst guy you can, the lefty with that, with his spin is, it's just, that's not a good matchup for sock. But I do expect him to, to put, you know, to, to make this match interesting. I don't think he's ready to beat Nadal at Roland Garros, but, um, he's definitely shown he can, he can hit with him. Um, but I guess when you look at Djokovic, looking, you know, tentatively looking forward to jo- Djokovic and Nadal, you'd have to say that Djokovic has, hasn't done anything wrong at all. He's been pretty much perfect. But at the same time, Nadal has closed the gap over the first week from where he was, and what, at least to me, what I thought of their form. He's closer. So, you know, he's making that quarterfinal look more interesting than it being, already was yeah. when it started, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a good way to put it is you know they're both peaking at, a, at pretty much the same time in a way, and and as we have said going into this tournament, it's you know it is the reset button is hit when you go to best of five, and you know Rafa, Roland Garros, you know that's what you get here. So um, we'll see if it comes to pass. I'm pretty sure it will, and um, it'll be huge, uh, must see television, of course. Um, we'll make our way to the women's side. Uh, we know one quarterfinal at this point. Anna Ivanovic, Alina Um A interesting note that we just found out before this podcast is that Ivanovic is 5-0 and against Svitolina. Um Something that probably cannot be ignored there uh, includes three wins last year, Indian Wells, also at Roland Garros, and at Cincinnati. Um, Ivanovic, like I said, was someone who I thought would be out a long time ago. She even lost the first set of this tournament. Um... To um, I believe it was Shvedova and from that point on, is you know really obviously um, had hasn't had any problems. You know, kind of resuming, uh, you know, really the play she had last year. It was it was a very encouraging year for Ivanovic. Um, She's obviously won here before. She beat Makarova today, and Svidolina beat Cornet today to um, to open the card on her sixth match point. That was a, a very impressive way to still salvage that second set because you know that after you know with that crowd against you and that sort of demonstrative player against you um, you know full marks to Svitolina who's only 20 to get uh, to get to the quarters.
1: Yeah this is a surprising quarter because Svitolina comes out of the Halep section we would have expected Halep to be here and Ivanovic was the highest seed on her side but she's probably the one seed that people least expected to, to make the quarterfinals just she her form has been bad this year, and she's been she's pretty much her coaching situation is up in the air. It didn't really seem like like a tournament where she's going to go deep, but maybe that's helped her relax a little. Um, she like you said, she's beaten Svitolina five straight times. I wonder if that's just I wonder if that just works the other way, where Spidolina is just due to to beat Ivanovic. She's a good player, um, like you said. She's you know she's only twenty, but she. She stood up to a pretty big moment, and Chatrier beat a French player. Um, so we'll see. You know, Ivanovich has won this tournament before. So this one is for a semifinal, a big, you know, a huge opportunity for both of these players.
0: The, yeah, the rest of that half: um, Safarova, Sharapova, Panetta, Muguruza. Those matches were both scheduled today. Were both called um, pretty early on in the um, in the in the session. Once it once it was clear that weather was going to really have a big impact. Um, you know, on the day's play, so they they get pushed to Monday. They also, you know, the winners of those also, of course, will have to will have to, a a day of rest lost, even though they they got their rest today. You don't really get that when you are expecting to play and are really building your day around um, a match that's you know scheduled. So you know, I do think the winner of that does kind of come up short in that respect, but um, but we'll see. You know, on Monday how that the plays out. The uh the top half is pretty interesting. There's actually four unseated players who are still left in the top half. Um, two of them are, you know, are certainly, you know, familiar to being seated as Gergis, who plays Kvitova, or who plays Arani, sorry, and Sloane Stevens gets Serena. The other two is you know, one of them's gonna make the quarterfinals, Andrea Matu and Allison Vaughn um can you help me out here?
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: It's all you. I think it's Utvank or Utwandt, Yeah, that that sounds right. Do you know anything <laughs> about either of those? Two? I mean, I've only even heard of Van Utvank there. If if I'm saying that, no, you that's, close a, to... that's a
1: that's going to be a new one to a lot of people. Yeah,
0: you do. You do. Un, you do end up usually getting you know, one of these kind of matches. That I I always feel per slam where. Uh, it's kind of like the NCAA tournament where you just you, you do get the two upsets that just kind of merge on um, you know to like a third or a fourth round. This is pretty far in a slam, a fourth round, so that's a huge you know chance. You know, winner gets Kavitova or Baczynski there. Baczynski beat uh, Madison Keys the previous round, um, but I guess you know it, it's certainly worth talking about Serena and Sloan, of course. And the main reason is that Sloan beat Ve- <coughs> Venus earlier. You know, has the chance to beat both sisters. I mean, that would kind of really bring the profile, the spotlight right back on her. Um, and of course, <clears throat> Serena has not gone to this point without some difficulty herself. Um, there's a lot to mention about Serena's matches, you know, the Azarenka incident, too. So, you may let's talk about Sloan and Serena.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Serena really played, that was the best clay court tennis I've seen her this year those last two sets against Azarenka that was pretty much top quality stuff for her from her and really right when she needed it you know she was she was losing to Azarenka, Azarenka was just outplaying her Serena was the one on the defensive she was the one missing returns um but she really really turned it around and played just you know some of the best tennis she's played this year we'll see you know I thought before the tournament, maybe that was the, that was a type of early match she would need to get really get into this tournament. We'll see if that happens. But you know, Sloane Stephens has been you know almost as impressive. Really, she's she beat Venus. Um, now she'll be, try to beat Serena. Not many people have beaten both of them in one tournament. But but I feel like Sloane has played with a lot more so cal- calmness, confidence in this tournament. She likes clay. She's been to the fourth round of this this tournament a few times. Um,
0: I spotlights offer a little bit too compared to the U S and then March the tournament. Season. Yeah. So, I think that, I think that has something to do with it here. Yeah. Perhaps. She's
1: the hype machine is down. She seems a little more, you know, maybe a little more relaxed or comfortable right now. We'll see. I mean, you know, it's still up to Serena in this match. She's, they, they've had some good matches sort of, I think it'll be up to her. Obviously her level will tell, but you know, Sloan can play with her. We know, you know, we know that,
0: Yeah, and I I think maybe thinking back to Azarenka, too, um, it uh, it really does, you know, the one thing about (laughs) taking away from that loss just about her is that it does seem like it's just going to be a matter of time before she does kind of Get get back into the firmament of the top uh, echelon there. Um, it's been, and that's good to see because she was out for quite a you know quite a stretch last year, and you never you never really know how players come back from from an injury like that. And um, but I I think that in spite of what has to be an extremely frustrating first half of of 2015 for Azarenka between. You know, just two specific loss against Serena, but also a lot of other, you know, losses against tough players. You know, as she's said many times, she's not getting any favors with the draws because of where she's ranked. Um, you know, it, it's, I think, and I think going into this hard court stretch, you know, after Wimbledon, where Ozarenka has really, really shine before um I think overall it's a pretty good takeaway if, if you're kind of projecting where she goes from here yeah
1: she said you know she said after the match against Serena that she's you know you look at her level of play is high and that's what she's she's most happy with there's definitely a mental hurdle against Serena you could see it in the second set Azarenka outplaying her chance to be up two breaks and then suddenly some misses of shots that she hadn't been missing and you know that's just that's just a mental thing she'll have to get over and you know Hopefully she won't have to play Serene in the third round of, of of tournaments um, coming up.
0: Yeah, and I think I'll I'll close with the uh, the one of the picks that I made that's still alive um, would be Petrica Vidova here. I actually picked her to win the tournament. Um, I, 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 what I'm curious about now is that where you see how the draw is shaken out for her, you know, very nicely. Paczynski, who's a good you know great good player certainly someone that Kavitova should be beating if if she's to be you know really taken seriously at the you know the ultimate level of the game you know the winner that's a huge favorite against the um sort of the the unsung match quarter the unsung fourth rounder below and Kavitova you know I think where this puts her is I think it's a good one of those you know moments where we're you know we're really going to see what Patrick Badova could possibly bring to really the, the entire landscape, <clears throat> excuse me, is um, she'll get, I'm getting choked up about it, I'm getting so emotional, <laughs> is, um, you know, she'll, in all likelihood, if the favorite's event, she's going to get Serene in the semis here. <clears throat> and we'll see where that brings her, um, you know, can she finally kind of emerge from this, you know, one slam excellence at Wimbledon. And I think this is a great opportunity to, you know, Serena were, I, I think the question could be asked is, um, you know, where do we, you know, is Serena still that, you know, immovable object really um, after a couple of close calls here? So I'm curious to see what Kvitova does going forward. Yeah,
1: yeah, she, you know, Basinski is a good player. Kvitova should win against any of the three players she could play to to, to make the semis. I guess the one thing you would say is, it's good for Kvitova that she beat Serena, and it's also sort of bad if they play in the semis because Serena really will not want to lose again in that match. There'll be an extra focus to, to not let that happen again. So, uh, you know, that's a match I would, I would definitely like to see.
0: Yeah, very good. All right, well, an emotional podcast here, definitely. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought? Um, so we'll put it to a close, and we'll um, get back um, to play on Monday, Very busy Monday for uh, both sides of the draw. So um, follow us daily previews, Steve's pieces on Roland Garros, um, and a cast of thousands of other contributors here on Tennis.com. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Ed McGrogan with Steve Tickner. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.